Why have a Christmas Eve service? I mean, can we all agree it's the most inconvenient, inopportune thing to do in the middle of the Christmas season? I mean, we all have busy preparations, right? Last minute shopping. If you're like me, you bought your kids Christmas gifts for their stockings last night at Cracker Barrel um, <laughs> to kill two birds with one stone, eat dinner, and then you know buy all the candy that they had, double the price. We've got present wrapping to do, or for you dads, you got present wadding to do, you know, wrap it around that way. Some of us are packing to, to go to family members' homes. We're waiting, for some of us, we're waiting for this thing to get over so that we can actually hit the road and go, right? Some of us have our ovens preheated, and we're hoping that the service doesn't go too long so we can get back to the cookies before they get burnt. Christmas Eve... And Christmas Eve services like this one sometimes feel a bit of a burden and an interruption to us. We prayed on Sunday, we sang on Sunday, we read the Word on Sunday, we heard God's gospel on Sunday. Why do we need to hear it now, the night before Christmas? And as inconvenient as it may be, and as inopportune as it may be, it is yet the perfect time for all of these things. The interruption is an intentionally well-placed good for our soul. It's a reorientation of our hearts to see Jesus. Christmas Eve services like this one reflect upon the glorious interruption that happened in the shepherd's field long ago. Shepherds were watching their flocks, keeping their eyes out for thieves and desert raiders, lions and bears and various other dangers that lurked in the darkness. They were busy with their work. I'm sure they had thoughts and plans about what would happen if their their sheep got scattered that night. They were talking together. They just had a busy night of work. And the shepherds could have hardly imagined the interruption that was awaiting them that night. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, when they did not expect it, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. He then spoke comfort to them and said to not be afraid. He says, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all peoples. For unto you is born this day the city of, in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. It's not quite the watch they had expected. They expected a long, cold night trying to keep warm around fires. They expected a night of keeping one eye open for predators. And yet this angel sends them on a totally different direction. Not to their flocks, but away from their flocks. Not in the field, but in the city. Not to the baby lambs that were easy pickings for lions and mountain lions and predators like that. But to a baby in a manger. They were to go and hold vigil over a baby Christ, the king who was lying in the trough. The long-awaited son of David, the Psalm 2 anointed one who was to be seated on Zion's throne, the root of Jesse, Yahweh Tiskenu, the Lord our righteousness, had come, but not as this magnificently dressed king, not as a king in a palace, not as a rich priest in a temple, but as a baby in a manger surrounded by animals. And by shepherds. A multitude of angels broke out in a song. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is well pleased. The God in the highest had brought peace to the lowest shepherds. It was a truly glorious interruption. 
Most of us hate interruptions like this. And it's yet interruptions like this that speak the good news of the gospel to us. It's interruptions like this that our soul needs. It's interruptions like this when God steps down suddenly from heaven to earth to intervene into the darkness of mankind. It's at the moment that we least expect that light breaks into the darkness, that dawn has come, that the cold is pushed back, that darkness is pushed back, and that hope is given in a hopeless world. It is good news to broken people, good news to sinners, good news to those who carry emotional scars this Christmas, good news to those who mourn, good news to find those who are looking for hope and for peace. It is good news to those of you that have longed for acceptance. From God, from God the Father, who have longed for salvation and for your striving to be put at sea, at rest. The shepherds wasted no time, but they went quickly to find the child, leaving behind their flocks to see their Savior. And when they found him, they told those around them what they had seen. And then it says that the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Christmas Eve, like this, And held in this way interrupts our busyness, interrupts the hectic holiday planning, interrupts the Christmas chaos. And it reminds us that the most important work to do at Advent is to be worshiping the incarnate Christ. The most important work. It it, it transcends all of our to-do lists. It transcends all of our holiday plans. It transcends all the traveling plans that we have. It gives us a chance to not busy our hands with pointless material things, but to raise our hands in worship. It gives us a chance not to fill our minds with all the stuff that we wanted and hoping that we're able to please our kids with trivial things, but instead to fill our minds with good thoughts of Jesus Christ. It calls you to steady your anxious hearts, to refocus your eyes on the Lord. And at the end of the day, Christmas Eve reminds us that God is a God who deserves to be worshipped because of what He has done in Jesus Christ. He has given us good news in the sin-scarred world, and He has fulfilled His promise to end our exile and strife. For to us, A child is born. To us, a son is given. He has sent the king who will reign on the throne of David forever. Establishing justice and peace. Do you realize what that means? No more corruption. No more racism. No more political dividedness. No more need for presidents. No more need for political parties. No more need for tax systems. No more needs for governments. No more needs for hunger systems. No more needs for anything else. No more... Will the Red Cross be standing on the corner? No more will we need the Salvation Army because salvation comes in Jesus. And he establishes the world with justice and righteousness. He has brought the blessing of Abraham to all nations so that black, white, Chinese, Russian, American, so that we could all gather together around the same and single Savior that we have in Jesus Christ. He sent his Son to step into the darkness, the Lamb who took our death, the Lion of Judah who has crushed our sin and our oppressor, Satan. What then? Is he not worthy of a small interruption for a 30-minute block of worship? For quiet whispers of prayers directed to him. For eyes that are bent on focusing on Jesus. 
for hearts that beat that redemptive rhythm of people who have been set free. It's hardly, it's hardly worth even being called an interruption, right? In that light, it's the, it, I think everything else is actually the interruption. The to-do list is actually interrupting us from what the real work is. It's quite possible that everything else we're busy with and everything else that we're doing is interrupting us from our real work, our real Advent to-do list, which is to worship the Savior, to worship Christ and to celebrate Him. So then Christmas Eve services like this beckon you to follow the model that you have in these shepherds. Leave the flocks behind. Allow your night to be interrupted. Allow your heart, your life, your plans, your travels, your to-do lists, your awkward family gatherings, your sugar cookies to be interrupted to enjoy the sweetness of Christ. Allow your life and your heart this Christmas to be surprised by joy, to just bask in the truth that God sent His Son in flesh It's a truth that we know so well and yet a truth that we find so mundane. And yet it's at nights like this that we can just stop for a moment, silence everything, and remember that eternity has changed for us. That the future is bright for us. That there is joy to the world because He is coming to make a new heaven and new earth to bring us back to Eden, to dwell in His presence forever where we will not just think about a metaphorical king but that we will live next to the king, with the king, seeing his face, seeing his smile, hearing his words, feeling his love, and receiving kindness upon kindness upon kindness. So we stop just for a moment. We still our anxious hearts to gaze upon the Savior. Parents, if you're here with your kids, this is the best gift that you can give them. Instead of gazing upon presents underneath the tree, instead of watching movies on this Christmas Eve night, instead of eating sweet cookies, they gaze upon Christ. They feel the warmth of their Savior. They taste the sweetness of salvation. My friends, out of all the things you can do this Christmas Eve, this is by no means an interruption. This is the dance. This is the real thing. This is the telos of everything that you have waited for. This is the actual taste. Everything else is the foretaste. It's just a glimpse of the celebration that we have here in worship. And so I just, I think for myself as a man and as a pastor, as a husband, as, as a father, just thinking this morning even, oh, we could have moved on to Oklahoma. <laughs> we didn't have a Christmas Eve service. We could have done so many other things, and yet exactly what my heart needs is to be reminded that this is Christmas. This is how we keep Christmas. This is how we keep Advent, is by remembering that Jesus came, took on flesh to experience pain and suffering and death and then he rose again and his first advent makes way for the second and someday we will not just remember the first advent but we'll remember the first advent while drinking new wine at the second advent 
And with that, we will worship our sweet Savior. So if you will, just for a moment, just still your hearts. I'm going to pray in just a few minutes, but I just want you to take some time to pray. You can pray for whatever you need. You've got you, some of you have struggles you need to lift up to God. Some of you want to reorient your hearts. Just take a time right now with your family and just silently, quietly think upon the glory of Christmas and the glory of the truth that Jesus came as a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths in a manger to carry a nasty, rugged cross to be buried in a cold, dark stone tomb, to raise again to give you glorious life. So let's just stop and pray together as a family. Father God, we pray for the day we will no longer have shadows and symbols. Father, we long for the day that we won't just have foretaste, that we won't just be dipping our fingers into the sweet dessert that awaits us, but that we will be able to indulge that we'll be able to fully taste and see that you are good that we'll be able to see Christ our Savior in all of his glory and his splendor Father the excitement that we have for the holidays and Lord the the time that we spend with the family may we be reminded it's all just a glimpse of what's to come And all of that has happened because Jesus is our Savior. That He became a lamb. He laid in a manger. He carried a cross. He opened a tomb. And now He has opened heaven to us. So God, this Christmas, I pray, Lord, not just for some metaphorical worship, Father. I don't just pray for Christians to get together. I don't pray for us just to even just speak the name of Jesus at Christmas, but that we'll keep it in a real way, Father, that we will name Christ in a worshipful way, Father, knowing not just in theory, but in truth, that Jesus is the reason why we celebrate this Christmas, and that we will worship him well in it all. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.